Welcome to Wine Country Women with Michelle Mandreau, the podcast for wine enthusiasts who are curious not only about what goes in the bottle, but the remarkable women who make these distinctive winemaking regions so special. Each week, Michelle introduces you to a prominent woman and takes a peek inside her life. Welcome to today's Wine Country Women podcast. I'm Michelle Mandreau, and I am talking with Maya Dalibala, who is the winemaker for Dalibala Vineyards in the Napa Valley. Maya, how are you? Fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it is a fantastic day, and I'm glad that you are fantastic. (laughs) I am delighted to be here with you. You have one of the most sought-after brands in the Napa Valley, and you are the winemaker now, and I want us to tell our listeners all the secrets. (laughs) there's not very many secrets and maybe a short episode (laughs) no no way well first let's talk about your career what I found fascinating in the little bit of research that I could find on you is that you went to Cornell you got a master's degree in viticulture and enology but then you got further education in Bordeaux which seemed pretty fabulous and you went on to work at Petrus and Latour. Wow. <laughs> Why come home? Let's start with that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, that's the beauty of the wine business is that it's so interconnected and every wine region is beautiful in its own way. So um, it felt wrong not to take advantage of that, you know, growing up in the industry and Um, building my career as a winemaker. Um, It was very important to have an experience in Bordeaux, which is the birthplace of Cabernet Sauvignon and Cabernet Franc in particular, which is what we work with here. And so it was just by our different friends in the industry who, we had one good friend in Germany who told me that who really encouraged me to pursue um, an experience in Bordeaux. And so I gave him my resume, and then two weeks later he said, well, if you go to Petrus, Petrus will take you, so will you go? And I said, absolutely. I I mean, no one says no to that. So that kind of um, sparked my curiosity, and I ended up loving living there. So I continued to, to stay and pursue a second degree and um, work in other chateaus like Chateau Latour. So it was a really great experience. Okay. But it was so great. Yeah. Right. We were in agreement. Great experience. Great chateaus. While the plan would be to come home someday. Right. What prompted you to come home as quickly as you did? Come back. Right. So, um, well, my mom at a certain point said, before you know, before when I was starting into the wine industry, she said you can't just come back and work here. You need to you know build your own experience and uh, work elsewhere and earn your place back at the winery. So I spent several years doing that, and it came to a certain point where my mom said, "Okay, now I think you're overqualified, <laughs> and I think you need to come back because you're going to become more expensive each year <laughs> you're away." And uh, also at the same time. I was uh, just building and starting the new project that I work on with Ornelia, which is a winery based in Tuscany. 
And so I needed to come back to start uh, start the, the new company up here in Napa Valley. Was it inevitable that you would work in the family business? Maybe to the outside world, but for me personally, it was far too obvious. So I really had no interest in being part of the wine business growing up. Um, it really was... When I left to go to college, I went to University of Washington for undergrad and started thinking about what am I going to do with the rest of my life. Um, and then coupled with the recession, that kind of eliminated a lot of different job possibilities at the time where it really cemented uh, my career in winemaking and, and in the wine business. So I think removing myself from the valley and realizing what a beautiful and special and unique place it is and how attached I really do feel to this property and this land and the vineyards and every everything that encompasses it to come back. That you felt like this was the place to be. Yes. So when you came back, how were you going to put your mark on the wine? How's your wine different than the wines before you um I really didn't come back with that intention I think I have a tremendous respect for all the winemakers that preceded me and including Andy Erickson who's still working with us as a consultant I really didn't come in seeking to make a personal stamp on the wines I think it's always about your expression of the vineyard and of the site and understanding your what your personal understanding is of the vineyard so of course inherently that will be different in each individual which what what makes winemaking fascinating and very interesting so my focus right now is more on the vineyard side and um Unfortunately, since my parents first planted the vineyards, we've already had to replant the entirety of the property in the late 90s through the early 2000s. So my focus has shifted on the value of having old vines and really thinking about sustainability and the future of that. Most of your time is being spent in the vineyard more so than fine-tuning or placing your mark on the wines yeah it's more about guiding the wines and we have a really great team in place and it's about working with the team to share it we all have the same vision of creating a great wine and a fine wine of the world and having that team in place and kind of guiding the vision still overseen by my mom she's very much the matriarch of the property um, we can you know really achieve it together Another unique component here is that there's a vineyard named after you. Yes. As well as a wine. Yes, also that. <laughs> so how is it to stand next to a, a bottle of wine with your name on it? <laughs> how do you feel about that? <laughs> I guess I don't know life any other way because my parents named the vineyard after me. I was not named after the vineyard, uh, which I was very thankful for when I was born and then they decided to take it one step further by naming wine after me so as soon as I could read I knew there was a wine with my name on it and then I told my parents it was my wine and they couldn't sell it and they said <laughs> no 
it's actually not your wine. We love you very much, but this is completely separate from you. It's not part of your identity. It's a symbol of our love for you. And so I think I always carried that in my head, a complete dissociation from the moment I could read onwards. And now it's great because it's a great sense of responsibility and you know you want to make something beautiful and top quality every year because it does have your name on it. So a little bit of pressure, but in a good way. Robert Parker gave your wine 100 points. Is that something that you're striving for now that you're here on the winemaking team? Not That's not, I mean, of course you always strive for perfection, but um, I'm not beating myself up at the end of the day if it's not a perfect score. And I agree 100%. You, the Dalla Valley brand is so prestigious and so well known and has such a fantastic reputation that I don't think you need to really worry about ratings per se, but it is nice to have a hundred point rating from Robert Parker in your pocket, right? Yeah, it's definitely, (laughs) yeah, it definitely feels good. (laughs) As you continue to develop your career, is there one person that has helped mentor you along the way? Uh, I mean, yes, there's been probably, it takes a village for sure to do anything. And I've had a lot of people help me along the way and give great advice and mentorship. And I feel very fortunate for that, but probably the most impactful and influential person in my life is my mother. We're very, very close. And, uh, she was really my biggest role model growing up. I'm an only child. So we've always been very close and especially my father passed away when I was young. So, uh, just watching her, you know, take the business on as a single parent and also in a foreign country. She's originally from Kobe, Japan, and not having any family in the U.S. She really embraced this community the way it embraced her and made this business even more successful um, from the inception to this point and really did it by herself. I mean, she had a great team beneath her, but she was really leading the charge and also raising me at the same time. So it's, it's very admirable. I still go to her very frequently for advice and mentorship. Coincidentally, I'm an only child. Oh, okay. (laughs) And I only have one parent alive too. Do you feel like though, in your situation that you have big shoes to fill? Oh, every day. (laughs) Yeah. And is that pressure? I think it's pressure in a good way. I think um, it's nice to look to what my parents have done. Both my father and my mother have very accomplished careers. And it's motivational, really, because, you know, even if you're tired or you feel sluggish or like, I don't really want to do this today, I can just think about all the things they've done and, you know, what it takes. And then you feel like this extra zing, like, okay, I can do this, you know? So it's, it is very motivational and inspirational. What drives you? What does keep you going and keep you inspired every day? Uh, that's a good question. What does keep me inspired? And I mean, a lot of things, the unknown, Um, what's that? (laughs) The unknown. Yeah. I think, I think I never want to feel in a position where I am comfortable. Like I feel that the business is good and I don't need to do anything. I think then I would start to wonder what is wrong, you know? So I think it's good to always strive and push yourself and try new things and 
kind of stay ahead of the curve in a way um, because it's easier to keep pushing and be in this comfortable position and very fortunate position than it is to fall back and find yourself in a challenging place and have to kind of work out of it. So um, that, I think that's definitely what drives me every day. And, you know, my mom was always very emphasized greatly education, which is why I pursued a lot of higher education because she said that's the one thing in life nobody can ever take away from you because, you know, any everything could go away in a day. So I'm very grateful every day to wake up and do what I do. You had alluded to earlier that you partnered with a Tuscany winery yes. on a brand. I believe that's the DVO. Yes. Project. Can yes. you talk about that and why, that, Absolutely. why that's so important? Ornelia is an estate in Bulgari, which is in the Tuscan region of Italy. And I had the opportunity to work under Axel Heinz, who is the winemaker and director there in 2013. And uh, we had already had a friendly relationship with the winery team um, from before, just they used to be partially owned by the Mandavi family, and they would come a lot to Napa. So my my mom and their team were had a good friendship, and uh, I got to know Axel while working under him. And then coincidentally, the graduate school I went to in Bordeaux, uh, Bordeaux Sciences Agro, was the same school that Axel went to. So he also then became my mentor in a way through my thesis and. Uh, through my graduate studies and it just this idea to create something new together with a partner was very intriguing and with another winery um, obviously I learned a lot from Axel and uh, in Tuscany but to pursue something new and different and creating wine in Napa was a new endeavor so it's been a lot of fun it's you know working with sites that are not our vineyard and to create a wine that reflects both of our know-hows and individual styles in each winery and making something new together is very exciting and fun and is that wine out in the marketplace it is out we released the 2018 it is out in the market and out in the world and we only made 400 cases, so there's not a whole lot to go around, but they, you can find it here and there. So if somebody wants to taste that wine, is there a way to taste it? Or? We have a, yeah, there's no way to taste it without purchasing a bottle. Uh, we have a mailing list. If you go to deviawine.com, you can sign up on our mailing list, and in the fall, you'll receive an allocation okay. for some wine. Yes. Okay. What else is ahead as far as here at, at your winery? Um, really, yeah, this year is focusing on the launch of DVO. It was a little bit delayed due to COVID, and having half your partners in Italy is challenging. Um, a lot of samples being flown back and forth and a lot of Zoom meetings, so... Uh, we'll have the opportunity to, to promote and show the wine um, in Europe. So we plan on doing a little bit of export this spring and just uh, getting the brand out in front of journalists and press so well, people be- have the opportunity to try it. And that'll be your second vintage out in the market, right? Yes. So that, that'll be exciting because yes. it'll have a little history now. Right. And So let's talk a little bit more about Dalla Valle. Yes. How many cases of wine do you make here? 
We make on average 3,000 cases okay. per year. And is it on an allocation list as well? It is. We have a mailing list as well as a waiting list okay. for our wines. So basically everybody that's listening to this um, needs to go on the wait list if they want to <laughs> try to get a bottle of your wine. Yes, we do distribute uh, in about 15 different states and we do export the wines as well. So we, you can find the wines locally at places like Acme Fine Wines in St. Helena or V Wine Cellars in Yachtville with Karen Laz in Napa. She hosts these curated tastings where she includes our wine. So that's actually a place where you could taste the wine. Learn more about the women who live in wine country when you purchase one of our lifestyle books at winecountrywomen.com. Well, let's shift on to your personal life now. Okay. (laughs) Where do you live in the valley? What city? I live in Napa. Okay. If we took a step inside your home, what would we see? What's your decorating style? Okay. I I was like, my house is kind of chaotic right now. Kind of chaos. Um, My decorating style, I would say like modern, eclectic. I have a lot of plants. I like having a lot of greenery. Um, But I like a a simple, clean aesthetic too. Okay. Predominant color? I would say neutrals and light tones of blue. Okay. When you kick back and relax... Do you ever do that? <laughs> Once in a while, okay. yeah. What kind of music do you like to listen to? Oh, I have a very uh, eclectic range of music tastes. So I love everything from reggae to R&B to indie rock. Okay. Um, yeah, it's really, it could be any of those things at any given time. Do you have a hobby? Do you collect anything? I um, I spend a lot of my time riding my horse. That would be my big hobby. I would collect horses if I could, if they weren't so expensive and time consuming. What kind of riding do you do? I do dressage. Do you show? I do. Yeah, I love it. it. That's like my escape where I can just totally zone out and only focus on one thing. Okay. That's interesting. (laughs) Do you have an upcoming show anywhere soon? Or are there some of the shows that you can tell us that you often go to or participate in? Yes. So I go frequently to Rancho Marietta. It's a probably the biggest facility in the area that hosts dressage competitions so the predominantly my shows are there that's in sacramento area um sometimes i'll do local shows in the sonoma county but predominantly i go to go to sacramento okay so you stay in california mostly yes in the past i have done out-of-state shows but just with my schedule and not at the maybe in the future i would go again and do more bigger shows but for now yeah local local is good enough (laughs) and this is what your time allows right right (laughs) that too that too you've done quite a bit of traveling yeah is there a meaningful trip you can tell us about a meaningful trip a trip that holds great meaning to you i think uh one meaningful trip i mean i feel like there's been a lot but one that uh was particularly important for me was uh, going back to Basano La Grappa, which is where my father 
was originally from and he's partially buried in our family chapel there and so I went with my two cousins in 2013 when I was working at Ornelai we went and did a weekend trip together to go visit that chapel because their father my uncle also passed away when they were young and uh, it was visiting our aunts there and seeing you know just the feeling that it gave me being in their hometown my dad's hometown is just like so peaceful and tranquil and there was something indescribable about the way it made me feel being there and then being and sharing that moment with my cousins was was very unique what are some of the items on your bucket list I would love to go on a safari in Africa. I am a big animal lover, and I think that's just such a fascinating and unique place to experience, you know, animal kingdom. So that's definitely on my bucket list. You grew up in the Napa Valley. So when friends come to visit who haven't been here before, what are some of the places you recommend? I mean, there's so many great restaurants in the valley. Um... I always love going to like Charter Oak or Don Giovanni. I grew up eating there and the the food has always been so delicious. Uh, Torque is another restaurant in Napa that I love going to. And then what else? I mean, I love to hike. Of course, there's tons of wineries to go see and visit and taste that. Um, it's like an embarrassing choice. You really couldn't go wrong where you wherever you go. But I think, yeah, I think it's, you know, people come obviously for the wine and the food. But the outdoor life, too, is great with all the hikes that you can do. So that would be kind of like my list, I guess. Where's one of your favorite hiking spots? I love Oatmine uh, Trail up by Calistoga. I also love the Rector Creek hike because it has a spectacular view. It's pretty brutal because it's all uphill. But once you hit along the top, you can kind of hike along the Palisades, which is not the Palisades, along Stag's Leap, which is really cool. How did you decide to live in Napa? Out of all the places you could live in the valley why napa especially since the winery is in oakville having grown up here i like to have a little bit of anonymity when i can as much as possible so i like napa because it's it's a little bit larger and the the home that i bought is a house that was built in the 40s and i love the neighborhood it's really quiet and tree-lined streets and you can walk to downtown. Everything is very accessible and easy. And I've actually a lot of friends who live in the neighborhood. So it gives a really nice community feel. And then you're very close to um, San Francisco. So it's only, you know, it's less than an hour without traffic from downtown Napa. And then also my horse is really close by. So, <laughs> Have you ever thought about making wine somewhere else in the United States? Yeah, I, you know, I'm always really intrigued by the Central Coast and the San Inez Valley. I think there's some really fascinating terroirs and climates down there. Um, you know, I, I experienced Finger Lakes being at Cornell. I don't know if that would be my number one choice. I have great admiration for the producers there, but it's really a lot of work and can be very challenging to make wine there. So I would say, yeah, the down in Southern California and San Inez is, is intriguing for me. We're going to wrap things up with five quick questions. Okay. What kind of car do you drive? 
Uh, I have a Audi Q5. What's your favorite flower? Ooh, I love anemones and the ranunculus. Those two. They're in season right now, so it's at the top of my mind. <laughs> What's one of your favorite movies? Hmm. I'm not a huge movie person, but one of the classics that I love is Monty Python's Quest for the Holy Grail. <laughs> What's one word to describe you? Ooh, one word to describe me. Determined, I guess. <laughs> what are a few items in your nightstand? Uh, there's always a big pile of books and magazines. So I think there's some New Yorker sitting there, uh, maybe an Atlantic. And then I'm reading this book called The Family Chow. What's that about? It is a book about... Uh, Chinese immigrant family in the Midwest and their restaurant and there's murder involved and death. So it's a little bit of mystery, a little bit about immigrant culture in the U.S. and about life in the Midwest. I'm not sure that's a good bedtime story. <laughs> yeah, it's a good read. Maya, so much fun catching up with you today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. It was a lot of fun. Visit winecountrywomen.com to join our exclusive list so you can be the first to learn about upcoming offers and events. Grab a glass and join us next week for a new edition of Wine Country Women.